This is Republic of INSEAD, the 20 years later O3D podcast edition. I am Milena Ivanova and will be your host in this limited series. So, here we are, 20 years later, hopefully all the wiser, naturally smarter and as charming as ever. There were 432 of us in the O3D vintage. And certainly, there are 432 unique and very interesting personal and professional stories to tell. While I cannot physically cover all, I have tried to make a selection of stories that will keep you interested and curious and will hopefully convince you to join us on campus for reunion. Welcome to the Republic of INSEAD podcast edition and enjoy the show. Water time, coffee time. I open quotations. You think he's Indian? Think again. He lives under the misconception that he's actually Italian. It's all one big misunderstanding. But this past year, he has been gradually replacing his Indian accent with a fabulous Italian one. He has mastered the art of gesticulation and is hooked onto clothes and perfumes. But while he can take himself out of India, he cannot take India out of himself and is a perfect combination of spice and tranquility. He is the most cheerful person I have ever met. He's always laughing, though granted generally at his own jokes. But he also laughs while making a class presentation and his outlook on life is contagious. He loves parties and is a wonderful friend, helpful and reliable. All this probably explains his capacity to find a daily victim, someone willing to freeze their derriere outside in the cold to keep him company while having a smoke. That is right. We used to smoke. I definitely was one of the daily victims, but victim is maybe the wrong word for that. Welcome to the show. And as things stand, I must ask you, are you still smoking? No, I have stopped. Mm. There you go. Four years. Proud of that, makes, proud of that. that makes two of us. I owe it to my son. Uh, I don't know how you managed, but me, it was a <laughs> pregnancy. So, welcome, welcome. And uh, let's begin. Where have sure. been the last, uh, where do I find you and where have been the last 20 years? Give us the snapshot in five minutes. Snapshot. So, a snapshot, I'd say I started with saying Savadi Krab. You find me in Thailand. I've been, I've been here, the land of smiles, uh, aptly, uh, for the last four years. So, last twenty years is it's been a it's been a crazy ride. Uh, on the on the personal side, beautiful family, two kids. Uh, I guess uh, I don't know five cities, close to eleven apartments, and potentially contemplating a new one. So that's where I am. My headspace professionally again. I guess I've been automotive throughout, so two two uh, two big uh, groups, four different brands, um, working in uh, I don't know Fiat, Alfa Romeo, Maserati, and now in Nissan, and and uh, I think moved here uh, in different jobs across Europe in different countries, and then moved to Bangkok as uh, head of marketing for for the APAC region in 2019, and then as we know the world changed as we know. <laughs> For me, I mean, I have to say it was a good moment in, in life. So, uh, yeah. So, and then I changed, I changed roles again and uh, started heading a business unit, looking at uh, sales and marketing for, for Nissan in this region. And now moving on to a different role. So, 
onboarding into a new role based out of Japan, but uh, still uh, still in Bangkok. That's where I am. There you go. So automotive. Well, that was a big part of why I wanted to get you on the show because we don't have someone else in automotive and no, we do. it's an we do. industry we do but in terms of me knowing them so well that sure. right so uh, it's one industry that's that's been disrupted very nicely so um a lot of things have been disrupted very nicely i must say but uh, yes automotive and the second one is last time i saw you in bangkok uh, which was last November, uh, we talked about marketing and you were talking about data-driven marketing. And I was, I've already spoken. I have Daniel Crook and Rob Chang on the record with the discussion on marketing, but I also wanted to get your, your uh, insights there. So that's that. And what do you say have been the biggest challenge or challenges in these last 20 years for you, both personally and professionally, or whichever way? I think uh, professionally, I, I think I'm still on the journey to find exactly what I want to do. <laughs> I think knowing me, you know me, you, you told me, you kind of described me. Exactly. So it's, it's yeah. a journey. Yeah, so I still, if you ask me, uh, have I reached where I want, I mean, what I exactly want to do? No. So I think that's still, it's still, uh, it's still a challenge there. But I, but I live life uh, as as it as and when it comes. So I grab it by the horns, and uh, I like change. So in a way, it's 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 a good thing for me. Professionally, it's been a hell of a ride, but very very. Uh, at the end of the day, it's good. And, and personally, I mean, I can't I can't say much more. It's been I've been lucky. I've been I found a good partner. She she's uh, she's she's uh, how do I say changed my life. And uh, my kids, I mean, you know them. Uh, so it's um, can't say I'm extremely extremely happy, extremely humble to have this uh, have this joy as part of my as part of my life. There are moments of tension, of course, <laughs> but but this is uh, yeah the, these two these two elements are, are going going good. If, mm. if I can say it like that, that's great. So and then we spoke in Bangkok about health. Yeah. So let's health, speak yeah. about health. And you were telling me because. I'm getting this from a lot of people as, yeah. as I've been catching up with people and recording. So give me your journey. You got into a bit of trouble and had to actually get back into. Yeah. Yes. So, so I mean, I guess m most of us would have gone through with a corporate job and globe trotting, uh, moving international, living, living, living life as we would have, <laughs> what we dreamt of in INSEAD. So getting into the life, I guess you also need to have certain discipline, which I did not have. So I was basically, uh, when I just moved to Bangkok in 2019, uh, Priyanka decided to stay back in uh, in Paris because she was expecting our, our, our daughter. She, she was more comfortable doing that. So I was basically living between Paris and Bangkok for close to eight months, two weeks here, two weeks there, and then traveling in different uh, geographies. This took a toll where I was living out of a suitcase for eight months, eating, drinking, whatever I could get, sleeping whenever I could, uh, working my ass off. So I think I reached a point where my body at a certain point said, okay, enough. Yeah. System <laughs> there was one down. night where system down. Yeah. I mean, and in a, in a way I didn't expect, I mean, I went to sleep one day and, uh, no, sorry, actually the day in the, the morning, my daughter was running around and she was looking at me and running. She would have banged against the wall. I just sweep down to hold her. 
and did something on my back. And I thought, okay, that's, you know, ache, aches happen. You're getting old now. That evening I go to sleep. <laughs> I wake up in the middle of the night. I can't get out of bed. I'm like, I can't, I can't move. I, that, that kind of uh, scared the hell out of me. Uh, and, and then being Bangkok and uh, going to the doctor is very, is very, uh, <laughs> very interesting. Because the first thing they ask you is, do you have insurance? And when you say yes, then suddenly you're put under surgery. Right? So, so I was scared uh, quite a bit. But uh, luckily, didn't jump to that. Then started looking at reading up a bit more and finally found out basically it was a muscular issue where my body has enough of using certain set of muscles or certain that I had not used at all in my life, I guess. And that kind of uh, blocked itself saying, okay, it's time you make a change and forced me to do that. So which has been, and luckily it happened to a certain extent during the COVID period where, so I guess all of us started getting a bit more um, healthy. Yeah, so it, it, it helped. I had the time, I had the opportunity to uh, focus a bit more on my health. The family had come, we were settled, travel was zero. So uh, it kind of helped me get back into a certain rhythm. Not, not that I'm extremely healthy now and doing great stuff, but uh, I think I'm, I might be the most healthy over the last 15 years at this point in time. Mm, yeah. right, so it's, it's, yeah, it, it's, been, it's been a great awakening. And uh, this is something I'm trying to get into my son now, who's 11, that when I grew up, this, this was not there. Yeah, I mean, we could be eating whatever we want to do, what we want, which is still good. I still wanted to do that, but at least get into his head in terms of, Weight training is not bad. You you need it uh, for later on. Yeah. Right? So that that's that's the kind of thing I'm getting trying to get it into him. But uh, yeah, it's it, it was a scary awakening. But uh, now I'm in a, in a good place. Now all good. All Personal good. Personal trainer <laughs> working out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah we do have to. to take care. Well, it's the yogis that say you know it's the temple. Our body is our temple, so we do need to take care of it because the physical body goes into the mental, then exactly, as well. Exactly. So yeah. everything is. It's, it's not just the yogis. Eh? I mean, this is uh, Latin uh, or the brand is Asics. Yeah, healthy well, mind and healthy body. Yeah? I know, of course, it. of course, of course, but healthy yeah. mind and healthy yeah. body. Yeah, anima Absolutely. and corpus sanum. <laughs> Uh, absolutely there you go so okay so let's talk marketing as i mentioned mm -hmm. so tell me your whole data-driven marketing it, because what surprised me is not i know and i remember someone had come to give us a lecture and it was i forget but uh and she was saying that it's all about data so we all know this but what surprised sure. me when we talked about it is that you said hardly any company does it. Not hardly, <laughs> but in fact, not so many companies do it. So it's, yeah. I mean, let's say depending on industry, it changes a lot. So I guess FMCG or e commerce uh, firms are totally working on that. But automotive, uh, you would expect, I mean, we are good at a lot of things, but this was uh, at least we were lagging compared to the rest of uh, industries. And 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 especially when it comes to cars, it's a huge ticket uh, item in terms of uh, spend. People leave a lot of data points, right? I mean, we spend like, as a, as an automotive company, we spend like billions on creating the website and blah blah blah. And the only thing we do is use that as a, as a showcase. Yeah, and that was the case. Where like I, if you would go and look at the your the car that you could have been interested in. 
configure it, choose the color, the the combinations, the trim, everything is all the data is there. It's stored, but then I would come back to you with a generic ad. Yeah. All right. Maybe potentially have another car. Right. So that that that, that was the thing. This is again, I'm, I'm extremely simplifying it, but th this was the this is or it still is uh, rather an issue to a certain extent because you need to have a lot of tech in place a lot of things connected because we are good at legacy systems and building new all the time instead of trying to look at holistically and see how do we ensure a good uh, journey and i think covid uh, also there was a good impetus to try and see okay suddenly we found ourselves people couldn't go to places to buy cars right so we had to digitalize uh, in a in a really in a fast pace to try and ensure that we can cope up with this uh, with this change, so that kind of helped a lot. And so suddenly the the board was okay, look, because you don't see returns straight away. You, you need to show it. In, uh, investment required is quite big, so having this push thanks to the external uh, environment change really helped us focus onto this. If, if I talk about Nissan, and the key thing was also using the data to ensure. Uh, a very seamless customer journey. Because again, we're talking about like from 10 to 100 plus thousands of cars, uh, euros a uh, car, right? So the minimum you would expect is to have a great customer journey, but it's it's shite. So, this, so there again, again, was to see what is the data, what is the data telling us? How can we use it? Where do people drop off on the website? I mean, it's simple stuff, which earlier was, we ha we were not using it as much. And then utilizing the data and the and the, um, the from customer visits on our website, which was a platform, on other touch points, trying to match all this together, to then go back. A, a simple thing would be like we have data on the car, right? Which uh, you buy a car, then you service the car. So all this data is there, but it's all in different systems. So. Maybe after three years, I would write to you saying, Milena, by the way, listen, buy a new car. Yeah, give back the three-year-old car, get a new car. My colleague from the after sales would be writing to you at the same time saying, by the way, it's come and come to the service. I'll get you a better better deal. Yeah? Don't change the car. The bank will be telling you, refinance it. Yeah? And so everybody comes to you, even though we all have the same data points, there was nobody putting it all together, trying to see how can we, what is the best time to reach Milena? What is the best um, uh, message for Milena, right? And and uh, and potentially which product is the right thing for Milena, so that I can get her to stay with me and continue her journey for more. So that was the impetus on which we were trying to do and get into data-driven marketing. Like At the end of the day, far... if I don't sell, it doesn't help. Mm. How far down the road are you on this journey? No, I, I think I think it's quite. I mean, since we started in 2019, again, I talk about us, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's progressed. It's progressed quite well. It's progressed quite well. Now I think we've reached a point where we are. Um, I'm talking about this part of the world again. So we are into dynamic creative based on the data that we get uh, live, and to a certain extent, even looking at um, production planning, mm -hmm. right? Because I know how many people are coming. What is the right? Uh, what kind of specs and colors people are looking at? Trims people are looking at, so I can plan even my supply chain based on that not just customer uh, facing. So it, it, it's in a good state at this point in time. Let's say, I guess where 
the others would have been maybe uh, four or five years ago. We, we're there now and and, uh, and going forward. So a lot of things are happening again within the industry. Mm. Did so you this say is dynamic creative. Dynamic creative, yeah. How does that work? Dynamic creative again. You you do um, an example would be let's say the, the 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 pack shot would be the same, okay, the same car, but based on what you've chosen, I can come to you with the color you've chosen, right? I can uh, I can For look the at the ads that I see online. The, the ad that comes to you yes. online, exactly, exactly. Yeah. The ad okay. that comes to you online. And even the messaging can change depending wow. on whether you were looking at. Uh, financing or you're looking at uh, uh, cash payment where you're looking at something else subscription so based on that i can come come to you with uh, those messaging so it'll be much more tailored to you versus Even more generic... than you do with this, right no exactly that's why i was telling you on chrome earlier right? <laughs> mm, right okay all right it, it, um, it opens up a world of possibilities scary sometimes but it's uh, it's interesting mm. All right. And so if we talk automotive mm -hmm. and the future of mobility, what do you yeah. see from where you stand, where you sit? And Ooh. what would you expect to see us to see in the next decade, in the next five decades? I don't know. Oh, my God. <laughs> if I knew yeah. that, I think I'd be doing something else now. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I, th I think uh, automotive is at a, is at a crossroads. Right? A lot of change is happening. Um, I mean, what you will generally hear is, I guess, for some time we've been talking about this, is the CASE, right? C-A-S-E, which is connected, autonomous, um, uh, shared, and electric. Yeah, so mm -hmm. CASE. So this is where the industry is, at least for now, uh, focusing towards. So everyone's talking on connected cars uh, because that's what also the, 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 let's say, the new generation of customers are looking for an extension of their private space, which is the phone, pads, whatever uh, form factor it could be, uh, autonomous. Now, it sounds very nice. You think uh, you sit in a car and drive by itself, but I think the technology is there. It's more, it's, it's a lot of things have to fall in place from regulation through to insurance. I mean, many things have to come in place, right? I mean, it's like how, in case of a potential accident, who does the car save and who is responsible for it? Who is liable for it? I mean, there's many things. Is it the street? Is it the customer? Is it the pedestrian? I mean, I don't know. So a lot of things around. So autonomous is one thing, but, but it can help a lot. Uh, shared mobility, because people are moving away from owning uh, cars to looking at uh, how they can um, uh, move again, the shared economy per se, especially for the young uh, youngsters coming in driven by a lot of things yeah also because they're not loyal to they don't they do not care about owning a car to potentially they cannot own a car because of the price of the cars have gone up so much and that's also due to technology so the, all, all these things are coming in and then electric which is uh, regulation is driving a certain um, move towards electric cars right uh, for zero emissions and stuff so that that itself is driving up uh, car costs uh, like crazy i mean the the entry level cars in Europe, like which we were used to, I guess the new generation of cars would be potentially two and a half to three times more expensive than, oh, than nice. what we were buying. Yeah, so which kind of forces you to go into shared ownership mm. to a certain extent. 
And the cost is driven by the batteries or? Uh, on an electric car, yes, but it's not just the batteries, it's also all the technologies that are coming in. So mm. if, you want a, if you want a connector, autonomous uh, electric yeah. car, it's, it will cost you something, right? And so battery is a big cost of the car. So I think the next thing that you, you, you'll read a lot about this and or you hear a lot about uh, people are working on solid state batteries, which can give um, uh, cheaper uh, and more um, range. So that could be a Headline good... Headline uh, in FT today. First time I heard about it was 10 minutes ago reading the FT. So thank you. Now you can tell us all about it. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm not the, the R&D guy. I just try to sell them. <laughs> <laughs> That's my, that's my, I mean, if you, if you think about it, like when it comes to cars, right, it is the most, I think I've told you this, it is the most irrational thing that a person can do. Oh, yeah. Right? You, you work, yeah, you work your ass off to make some money. And then the day you say, okay, I want this car, you sign the check. The day you sign the check, it's not even dried. 30% of your, the value is gone. How about it, it, planes, it's the only asset that depreciates. Planes and yachts. I, yeah, I know, but not everybody, worse. I mean, 86 million people buy it every year. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. 86 million people buy a new car every year or a that's, car. That's more or less industry TIV, if you okay. want, global, right? So, so, One big yeah, so people, yeah, so it's, 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 it's quite huge. So it's like, so my job is to make sure that when you wake up in the morning and decide to spend some money, you'll spend it on me. That's, mm. that's what I, that's what I like to do. No, so, so, so coming back, a lot of, lot of changes in the industry, a lot of, uh, it's at the cusp of a lot of things. And and I think the main thing now is also the the growth of China, mm -hmm. right? China going out. So till this till last year, Japan was the biggest uh, export um, country in the world for automotive CBU export, right? Because in the US you produce locally, most of it is local consumption. Um, China was mostly local consumption and stuff. This year is the first year when. China has become or is for, for, forecasted to be overtake Japan in terms of CBU exports. And most of that is electric. And you'll see that a lot in Europe where the legacy European players, I mean, everybody's gone electric because Europe is moving to electrified. And, and the Chinese are coming in at a uh, different price point. So there could be big changes in, uh, in, in how well the brands that we see on the European roads uh, in, in a short space of time. So, yeah, so, so it's... Was the Chinese brand that I would be seeing soon? Which one? Um, I think the the most sold electric uh, brand in the world now is called BYD. Okay. So build your dreams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, okay. so there used to be a battery manufacturer in China, but now they're into electric cars. They, they, they sell more than Teslas. Yeah. And uh, they are globally expanding. And I think... Uh, I don't know if he still has some share in it, but Warren Buffett was a big fan of them. So that also kind of, there's a lot of spin on that. The BYD is big. Uh, there is, um, who else is there? There's, there's, uh, there's MG, which is like a, a British brand, but owned by Chinese. Uh, yeah. yeah. Then there's uh, Geely with uh, Volvo, but Geely is also ha has its own uh, brand. So, there's many, and, and if you see, like there was Shanghai Motor Show, which just finished recently. I, I could not go, but I saw um, a reportage from there. I mean, it was just electric. It was electric, it was connected, it was, uh, I mean, it was crazy. So, um, it, 
and and it's and there are a lot of cars there are a lot of brands in china which we don't even know about and if you don't know that it's a chinese brand it looks like a very premium car yeah <laughs> and, and and people are now losing this um, uh, this issue of buying a, buying into a chinese brand because quality has is improving mm-hmm. right and and the byd is, is is a very good car so it's it's a it's a it's a good competitor maybe 10 years ago you say a chinese brand is a cheap brand mm-hmm. you have cheap brands of course but the good ones are also very very uh, well done so yeah thing so, was the space a lot of lot of things are going to happen so is germany in trouble then is germany in trouble automotive germany yeah, yeah. i don't i don't know if it's in trouble or not uh, it's too too uh, too hard to say but the china used to be the domestic china sales used to be a big driver for all the brands in germany and domestic china sales are taking a toll because the chinese are really uh, coming up especially with electric there's a lot of spending by the government on incentivizing it so that could have an impact but at this point i do not know what they have what plans they have but they, i mean they they're not they don't sit back yeah i mean like in europe tesla was number one but i think over the last couple of months or a couple of uh, quarters volkswagen is the most sold electric mm. brand in 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 europe now so they're coming back the legacy brands are coming back but at what cost and what profit god knows yeah there you go yeah. and so since you've mentioned tesla twice and then legacy versus disruptors mm-hmm. Uh, there's no dispute that Tesla is what disrupted the industry in terms of going electric. I think that's consensus. Or am I wrong? No, I mean, I, I think again, I'm, I'm not uh, plugging in something here. But the first ones to do electric, where I mean, first doesn't mean it's the best. Yeah? yeah, was was Nissan in terms of selling electric cars, mass marketing electric cars, and everybody was moving hybrid. They were the only ones doing electric. Tesla uh, saw that too and uh, and jumped on it so much so that uh, Tesla bought an old uh, Toyota plant in in the in the US and that's how they started off in terms of manufacturing what they did good was throwing away all conventional way of looking at things because we mm-hmm. as or, legacy automakers have I mean everything is process driven yeah you can't mm-hmm. change anything the way it is it is because it was done 100 years ago and that's that's the struggle tesla doesn't have that it was a startup you could relook at everything so much so that it's i think it potentially could be one of the most vertically integrated companies you would find and they looked at engineering and and processes to things like uh, they have um, um different how do i say um, the components used to create the body is much less than a tesla versus normal uh, in, let's say standard legacy automotive automakers so they have created their own presses so they don't have to rely on suppliers they have many things which are vertically integrated where they manage the whole supply chain so it's much easier for them to grab the better the bigger part of profit or cost uh, manage the cost that's what they have done and uh, they have a good advantage and even comes to battery i think battery technology they are currently uh, have have an advantage but it's it's uh, slowly being uh, taken out by the legacy ones also by the chinese coming in mm. so when i think disruptors i often think of it's a it's not a guarantee and being first mover is also not in this exactly. it's not an advantage right so i i often think of the palm pilot or the motorola phone which was 
was a favorite of mine for five Startup. minutes. Startup. Right? <laughs> and so, so what, what would be your, would you dare to make a forecast on is Tesla gonna be a market, not market leader, but have a big share 10 or 15 years from now? Or is it gonna be soon? Oh, I, I, I think I think they will be there also because they've changed the way we look at cars, right? And, and things like now you hear a lot about uh, software-defined vehicles. Right? So mm-hmm. if you hear the Renault press conference, they say, ah, now we are working on software-defined vehicles, blah, blah, blah. It basically gives you a chance to, uh, it's like, like becoming a phone where you have um, over-the-air updates and, and many things happening in that sense. So a lot of the configuration of the car can be changed can be upgraded so i think tesla has is leading on that and and so they will continue to be a force and they're opening up i mean uh, if you read the newspaper musk is going everywhere and saying i'm going to open in india in china and germany at the same time he's opening all over the place he's opened in thailand so they are becoming uh, big but what you also see is now they are to a certain extent being forced to move to legacy practices Mm. So Tesla had never advertised. Right so now he is open to. Mm. Yeah, he was. He's open to advertising. They had never discounted. Now since a year, Tesla has, has been discounting like nuts. Yeah, which is they can afford it, I, I believe, but which is kind of disrupting again the uh, like all these uh, new cars coming in. Suddenly, all of us have to say, how do, how does he manage with that cost level? Right. So, so, but, but it is going through uh, to get volumes. He is discounting. Yeah. Yeah. So he's moving to a legacy way of working. Yeah. But I think he'll still be there. He'll still be there. That's I don't my, mean my in the sense of disappearing, but in the sense of at some point it was like Tesla is taking over and all the dinosaurs are dying or gonna die, no. and we are, and now it's more like. How much is gonna stay for Tesla, and then the incumbents? How much is for the incumbents? Yeah, no, I, I think automotive is uh, it's very difficult for it to die like that uh, because the social mm-hmm. cost around is huge. So because the, the amount of between the OEMs and the tier suppliers plus uh, everything there is yeah. it's crazy. You you shut down. I don't know how much of GDP uh, of a country if if something big like that happens. So they are transitioning. Everyone is transitioning into new energy vehicles so i mean currently i think in 20 um, calendar let's say in 2022 of the tiv that i mentioned 80 plus million um, the new energy vehicles which are electric fully electric hybrids and and uh, plug-in hybrids account for around 20 percent of tiv close to 20 percent right so it, it's slowly shifting because of regulation because of whatever so Everyone will move to that. Then, then at the end again becomes a customer choice of what they want, because it is still a big ticket item. So people, it's good that they can still choose. But there are a lot of, yeah. lot of countries and places where um, the regulation is at a different pace. So you need to have um, all options available. So Asia is still uh, what we call ICE, so combustion engines. It's slowly moving towards electric or even hybrid. Europe is going electric. The US current now with the new taxation scheme in place is trying to move electric, but only if it is electric in the US, produced in the US, right? So those kind of regulations are there. 
to help legacy and non legacy so we need to see how it goes i don't know how 15 years from now i have no idea <laughs> so is it electric it is the future electric or is the hydro hydrogen uh, yeah i think at this point in time uh, it's it's uh, everyone has jumped on to electric let's put it that way right yeah because it's distrib- distribution wise it's easier uh, grid wise need to be seen because a lot, lot of grids especially in, also in europe are not very i remember in italy uh, there's a study where said people if, if the tiv changes to electric uh, the grid won't be able to support it the electric grid in in the country right so the, i think we need to see that but uh, hydrogen potentially could be a good fuel i think it's more in terms of distribution as well as uh, ensuring that you can package it in a safe environment as a, as a fuel mm-hmm. and and the vehicle so uh, again not being in, not being a r&d guy i, I can't tell you uh, yeah. the key thing of electric what i can say irrespective of in uh, company is the tailpipe emission from the car is zero right but you you need to look at the full life cycle in terms of how electricity is produced in the country so if it is like china burning coal and moving everyone into electric i mean you're not burning there but you're burning somewhere else right? yeah and how the battery is produced again is a different thing so now the industry is looking at uh, the full life cycle to see how how much of um, uh, let's say carbon neutrality we are, we are promoting to then say this car is more carbon neutral versus the other Hmm. And last one on this topic. Yeah, uh, sure. Sports cars. Sports cars. And Formula One, the favorite of my son uh, and my thank husband. Thank God they exist. Yeah. Well, well, yes, okay, but what happens there? Are they going no, electric? They, no, there is. There is already a uh, Formula E. Yes. There's Formula, Formula E. No, no, Formula One is uh, Formula One. Yeah, it's still gas, uh, gasoline. You need that. Forever. <laughs> forever i don't know i think i think it's always uh, you have it, it's been going on for a long time but uh, formula 1 i think the, the magic of formula 1 is still there it's is revived again so it's it's very nice to see uh, will it change fully into formula e i think that was the thinking when the formula e started also because formula e you can take anywhere and you can it's a it's a city circuit you can drive it in a city mm. and the fact that there's no emission it becomes much more um, uh would it change i don't know i i i wouldn't want it to change i still like the formula 1 <laughs> me personally formula e is nice but it i guess i i'm from an older generation i i i grew up loving formula 1 hmm. and the rivalries there today if you ask me honestly even though i'm in the industry if you ask me a formula e driver uh, i wouldn't know no yeah and and mm-hmm. go ahead No, you 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 mentioned something else. Formula One and sports cars, sports, sports cars. cars, boys and yeah, yeah, spo- boys. Yeah, no, sports cars are there are you have both options. I mean, the electric car again, it's not it's not a boring car. It's an awesome. I mean, the the torque you get is great, right? It just you can zip because there is no loss, there's no mechanical loss, and and you touch it, you fly. So it's it's a great drive. But with the sports cars. you uh, the smell the sound so th- that that feel uh, rugged feel is what uh, people like that there will always be people who want that so there, there's always a place for those kind of cars but the mainstream will move in my view to more uh, more electric also because as as manufacturers will move towards more electric so the choices you have will be very very uh, limited mm. right? but sports cars 
thank God for you need the soul in cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be it could be uh, there could be defects, whatever, but that soul needs to be there. Mm. That's, that's very favorite? old school, but that's me. What's your favorite car? My favorite. Oh, that's that's very difficult. I think um, the the car that I've enjoyed driving the most. Again, not that I drive a lot of. I just driven it once on the on the Notch Life on Nurburgring. Was the Porsche GT3? Okay. Porsche GT3 stick shift. Uh, that was amazing. Mm. All right. I've never had and, that feeling with any other car. And then INSEAT. So we stay in touch the whole time. That's great. But tell me other ways other than friends that INSEAT has been with you through these years, and then your way of thinking about staying in touch, giving back, all that. Inside again, I have made, uh, I believe, lifelong friendships from from uh, from twenty years ago. I think we we are a good example of that. And 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 I see. And any, I mean, I've I've been moving around a bit, so anywhere I go, I've been trying to reach out to uh, the community. I, I'm not a very, uh, how do I say, uh, social person. Right, I'm, so I don't, I don't go out and start uh, uh, trying to contact every person possible. But uh, INSEAD has been the first point of contact in any country I've, I've, uh, I've tried to, I've landed at. Whether I've been good at keeping in touch, no. <laughs> that's uh, that's how I am because of uh, whatever reason. Yeah, but it's it's always been uh, always try to reach out and find some kind of connection with with people people from uh, from the, from the school. So that's been that's been great. In terms of um, giving back, my, my this is again my personal view is I've always had this uh, cherish this thing of one fine day going back to teaching to a certain extent and not teaching as a professor kind of thing, but more giving back uh, hopefully wisdom that I've accumulated uh, and that's something which I, I would like to do. Uh, I used to do that in school for my school or even my engineering uh, college. So that's something which I've. I, Going forward is something I'd like to look into. See how how I can uh, give back more to people coming in, so that they don't come out just having read textbooks. Yeah, there we are. Inside the lifelong relationship, friendship. Uh, oh yeah, 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 totally, totally. Last bit is my quick round of questions. If you are ready, I go. Mm, oh yeah, good, ready? good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. proudest achievement. I mean, my, my my kids, of course, uh, the two proudest things I have, but also giving up smoking after 22 years <laughs> somewhere there. Success for you is? Mentally at peace and having time to do what I want. Happiness is? Good health and uh, having a great family around. Biggest regret? <laughs> I don't know if I have many regrets. Uh, yeah, there was one where I wanted to open an agriturismo in the state of Kerala, focused on Italians. Didn't happen. <laughs> well, you can always <laughs> do it in retirement, but Kerala is an amazing <laughs> place to do this. Actually, I fully am on board. Will come. What keeps you awake at night, other than your back? Hopefully now. No, no, no. My back is okay now. I think more uh, now. I think I've reached a point where the only thing that keeps me awake is the latest movie offering on Netflix. <laughs> What did you watch last? The last one. I mean, I saw Extraction two. Uh, okay. I think three days ago. <laughs> I just finished Kaleidoscope. I hate it. 
<laughs> yeah, a very big suspense. But uh, yes, I stay away from Netflix most of the year. But twice a year, I end up in a binge situation, which is horrible. Uh, <laughs> totally hear you. Wish you had known or someone had told you. I think we, we touched on this earlier. It's the importance of uh, weight training and good eating. Like mm. irrespective of whatever you do. And the harm of sugar. Yeah. And, and on, had... a lighter note, on a lighter note, I guess now after four years here, if somebody had told me how much patience you need to work in Asia, <laughs> would have been nice before I started the role here. Patience. Patience, patience mm. to work in Asia. Open bracket, what's the biggest frustration culturally or adjustment yeah. other than it is, I think feedback loops are very different. Mm. I think we are used to more direct feedbacks. Mm -hmm. uh, people have understood, not understood. You can give here. It's more subtle nuance of maybe, could be, you know, everybody is happy because everybody's understood what they want. Yeah. So things take time. Mm -hmm. If you had to do it all over again, what would you change? Maybe I'd have kids earlier. Uh -huh. But Spend then they wouldn't be them. the ones you have. So. No, of course, of course, of course. <laughs> I, would, I would have had more time with them. Yeah. Well, well, I used to think like that. And then someone uh -huh. told me, because I was 40 when I had our son. So, and then someone yeah. told me, how do you know how long you will live? Therefore, <laughs> it's a thought, right? So, and then yeah, I sure, sure. So, <laughs> Retirement ever or never? Oh my God. I mean, it, it depends. With a four year old, uh, at this point in time, I'm not even thinking of retirement. <laughs> but I mean, I, I'll always keep on, I'll always keep on doing something. I don't think I'll ever, like, if I stop, I die. So I, I need to do something. The Kerala business. Oh, yeah. yeah the agriturismo for Italians in Kerala. Yes. <laughs> if you had to pick one book everyone should read, Ula. That's tight. Actually, I used to read a lot, but now I've totally lost it. So uh, I wouldn't know at this time. I'd say Asterix, the comic book, but that's, that's what I would go for. Most admired public person? Uh, to me, as I said, it's very difficult to choose one. Um, so I've gone for, I would go for Muhammad Ali. Like we just discussed it, I think, yeah. before we met. So because I've met the person, I've read his story, I've understood what he's gone to. So incredible, incredible person. How much of that is the spin we see? I, I do not know, but my understanding is it's, it's really genuine. So I, I really admire it. Hmm. And most despised public person? There's no specific person. I, I despise religious leaders who use their platform and teachings to divide and unite. Hmm. Same could be said for politicians. <laughs> True. Last one. I know it's tough there, but are you coming to reunion? Uh, at this point, I, I do not know. I do not know. I hope I can, but I, I don't know. As I said, I'm in the middle of a lot of changes, so I don't know at this time. I Work wish on I it. Otherwise, it. we'll come to Bangkok, and then you're in Oh, yeah, please do. Eh? Anytime. <laughs> you know the place. <laughs> you know the room, There we now. are. So I can now officially say, for those who didn't figure it out, this was a conversation with Nirma Nair, who is Vice President of Marketing and Sales, or maybe now you change jobs, so I don't know what your title is, but yeah. he's with Nissan Motor Asia Pacific. And thank you so much for your time. And uh, I do hope you come to, you somehow miraculously make it to fall in see, October. Let's see. Yeah. Thank you so much. You never know. Thank, thanks a lot, man. It was lovely speaking to you. 
You are listening to the Republic of INSEAD 20 Years Later O3D podcast edition. It is my hope to remind everyone what an interesting and dare I say colorful bunch of people we are and how much we can contribute to each other, be it through ideas, knowledge or mere inspiration. The podcast is inspired by the original Republic of INSEAD yearbook produced on paper 20 years ago by Oliver Bradley and team. Thank you, Oli and team, for this contribution to our class's memory and for letting me continue in the tradition, title and inspiration included. Creator and author of the Republic of INSEAD 20 Years Later O3D podcast edition am I, Milena Ivanova. Original music by Peter Dundakov with help from Dare Films Productions. Stay tuned for more and remember to book your tickets for the 20-year reunion in Fontainebleau, October 6th, 8th, 2023. Thank you for listening.